So you're listening to this podcast. Maybe you want to make a podcast of your own. Well, Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast direct to Spotify. Everywhere else podcasts are heard as well. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. And if you want to take the conversations of your fans to the next level, you can even do Q&As and polls direct through that same feed. Spotify for podcasters. Get it now. True Hill Phenom SP3. We are live on the Sports Keto Wrestling YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter for another edition of Smat Talk. We are here to review AEW Rampage as well as WWE SmackDown. There is no Rick Uchino here this week. He is working, he is a working man. You got him working the radio, so it's just me, SP3, and the one, the only wrestling legend extraordinaire, Dutch Mantel. What's going on, Dutch? Well, thank you very much. Thank you for that build up. You know, you may have a you may have a career in this one day if you just keep at it. But Rick is. You know, I think we need to let the the listeners in on this. Rick is not here because well, he's a radio guy. And that's his regular job. Yes, and he's working a killer shift. He's working from 11 p.m. from right now, and he's going to work all night long to 2 o'clock tomorrow afternoon. And this man has kids. He has no kids. Kidding. That's gentlemen. 15 hours. I mean, I don't know how you can do that. I mean, I, uh, you can do it. But when uh, is he going to – I hope he slept today. But he just heard about this, right? I, I mean, this man was watching SmackDown when he was supposed to be napping. So to be fair, yes, he just and, learned that. He and why he's doing this, I will say one thing for Rick. You know, it, they needed him in a pinch because, from what I understand, several members of the station, he said half, but I'll cut that down because it's Rick. <laughs> he said they had COVID, so he's filling in. Yeah. Now, not only is he filling in for people with COVID, he's going in the exact same spaces they were in. So tomorrow or next week, he may have COVID. Very so true. good good luck to you, Rick. So get through it the best way you can. So, but are we glad you're not here? Yeah, exactly. No, I'm, I'm going to miss you, Rick. I, I really am. Okay, let's get us started here. Uh, so, yes. Overall, overall. And you did too, Sid. I sat back and I watched SmackDown. What do you think? Overall. Overall, um, there was something great on the show. So it was an upgrade from the last, I would say, the last month of uh, SmackDown television. Since the last thing that was great on this show, which in my opinion was Roman Reigns firing Paul Heyman as his special counsel. Tonight was the first time that we had a great segment on the show. And ironically enough, it was also including Roman Reigns on the show. So I would say that this was an improvement from the last couple of weeks. 
Uh, Rampage had a very good opener, and then the show kind of petered out from there. The main event was good, but other than that, it was like very empty in the middle. But overall, what was your thoughts on SmackDown first, Dutch? SmackDown was a better show tonight than it has been because we got some different, I mean, themes going. I mean, in the business, they say angles. We say themes because we're different. No, but at least we had Roman Roman uh, Reigns going up, head up, against Seth the freaking Rollins, which was is, is new for one thing. And now that sort of piques my interest. And this wouldn't be hard to book because they have history. And, you know, they started as the Shield. And even when I was there, when I was with a Swagger there, I mean, the Shield were just getting started because Vince loved them. And he showed them down everybody's throat. And they got over. They did. So Why, why did Vince love them? Well, I don't know. Why does Vince do a lot of things? I don't know. I mean, it's just, why do you like chocolate milk, baby? Or why do you like vanilla ice cream? I don't know. But it's not like they are better than anybody else. He just looks at them as a promoter would look at them. And if you're going to put all this time and energy, you want to see money dollar, I mean dollars on them somewhere. And and he saw that. So and actually they kind of proved him right because he kept pushing them. Of course, he pushed Moxley right out of the company, but now he's off doing his doing his thing elsewhere. And we see where Roman Reigns has gone and Seth Rollins has gone. So his initial uh, assessment of them, it, it proved him right. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, regardless of if like that, the fact that, you know, one of the three is not in the company, the Shield produced three top stars that are in the industry right now. Yeah. Sure so. Did. So it has to be considered a success for sure. Uh, we should talk about that segment first since that's like, like I said, the, the one great segment, in my opinion, on this show was the closing angle. And they built it up the whole night, Dutch, by showing the highlights of the history between the two men, showing the Shield from 10 years ago. Uh, I, I, I felt very old hearing that, that the Shield debuted 10 years ago. Uh, then they showed, you know, the they did. Yes, uh, in 2012, it, November of 2012, but still 2012. Okay, that's right, because I, I went to uh, WWE in 2013, and they were like right behind me. So that's right. Yep. Boy, 10 years flies, doesn't it? Crazy. When, uh, you're, having, when you're having fun. <laughs> they also showed, you know, the uh, breakup of the Shield. They showed Seth Rollins cashing in Money in the Bank on Roman Reigns to win his first WWE Championship. And then we had the face-to-face -face confrontation between the two men. And the fans kind of treated, to me, it sounded like they were treating Roman Reigns as the babyface in this whole ride kind of year. Kind of. Well, after they watched Rollins hit him in the back with a chair... See, maybe some fans didn't even see that. Yeah, I mean, it happened. Sure. You know, because I, I read one time, or they may have told me while I was in WWE, that the fan base kind of turns over every three or four years. Yeah. You kind of believe that? I do with WWE, yes. And I think, you know, kids watch it 
through high school and then they go to college and they stop kind of watching it, doing other stuff. Then when they get out, they may go back to it. So they say it's got a three or four year turnover rate and the people that join, the other people drop out. So it kind of stays the same. And so the people who don't know what happened, they see Rollins hit uh, Roman in the back with a chair. So if they're saying, and if they don't know any more history, well, then Roman is the good guy. And Rollins is the bad guy. But I think they handled that. You know, they were, they, they were going to come face to face at the end. And I think they handled that segment well because, you know, the Usos never got to got to Rollins, which was, yeah. I mean, if they were going to get any kind of steam on him at all, they should have gotten to him. They tried to get to him, which was different. And because, you know, Rollins outsmarted him and got away from him. And it's a good way to end the show. It was. It was. I, I felt like the 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 whole ending with the Usos coming out, it played into what Seth said, but it did feel kind of anticlimactic with how good the segment was, you know, prior to the ending. But uh, the what we should note is that Roman Reigns is officially over 500 days as the Universal Champion. Uh, 502. 500. Monday makes him 505. It makes him 504, which is the record for the longest reigning Universal Champion, owned by the current WWE Champion, Brock Lesnar. Uh, The fans broke out into a loud Roman Reigns uh, chant. He demanded Omaha acknowledge him. The fans broke out into a... Uh, another loud Roman chant. And then uh, Rollins tried to get Reigns to give him the uh, shield fist. And Reigns said that that was beneath him. Uh, Rollins points out. That was, that was a, that was a good comeback. It was. Because people wanted him to do it. Exactly. But Rollins came back with a nice comeback, pointing out that every time he's versed Roman Reigns one-on-one, he has defeated Roman Reigns in the big-time matchups. Uh, Reigns notes that he's in God mode and the greatest of all time. And Rollins is out here to acknowledge Reigns and his accomplishment. But Rollins points out that Reigns didn't win the title on his own. First, he needed the shield, and now he needs the bloodline and the Usos. Rollins claimed uh, he created Reigns so he could destroy him. And Reigns felt like he was wasting his time he noted uh rollins dresses like a clown and sounds like a clown because he is a clown and he admitted that (laughs) he wouldn't have picked rollins from raw and that if he wanted to face a megastar he would have faced rollins wife oh that was good that That was was a great line great there was just great lines back and 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 they he sold it well like hey don't don't bring him don't bring the old lady into this he's like what's your name Tony, <laughs> what's your name? Zico. No, don't bring my old lady into this. But that was good. And uh, But this is what I noticed on, on SmackDown. These announcers, first of all, they're going 90 miles a minute. Of course, they got a lot of things to promote. But if you compare them to Rampage, at least you can kind of understand Michael Cole and Pat a little bit. On Rampage, you don't even know who's talking. Half the time, I don't. I don't recognize their voices that much. So, if they could, maybe. I mean, Raw. I think. I mean, on SmackDown, I think they do a better job than they do on, on Rampage. Yeah. What do you think about the first match set? I, I like the way they led into that. Uh, and the, I, I like the Usos being announcers. Yeah, the opening. <clears throat> that was had- good. 
had the uh, after we saw what happened last week, we had the Usos, and uh, they noted that they beat the New Day last week, and they respect them, and that the New Day are the only team that pushes them to the limit. But they are out here to uh, have a new challenger in a fatal four way match. They did the introductions, which I do agree with you. They did a good job with the introductions, and then the match that uh, led into it, it, it kind of. I felt like it was a kind of uh, dragged in like the the before the commercial break. But once they returned to the commercial break and it was a lot of chaos, a lot of bodies everywhere. But the team that needed to win this won it with with Viking ratings, because let me just say, Dutch, when they were introducing these tag teams, I was like, man, oh, man, once you take out the new day from this tag team division, they are scraping the bottle of the barrel. And I'm not talking about their talent. Because these guys are very talented, especially like someone like Cesaro, who showed that in this match. And Los Darios could do something on this, especially with the lack of tag teams. They could be something very important. And Viking ratings are a legit tag team. But just the way they introduced these people, half the tag teams I didn't even feel were tag teams. It was just felt like they were they were just scraping the bottom of the barrel so here. They, but they thankfully, put- Viking Raiders won. Cesaro must be the go-to guy, utility guy. He's like a baseball player. He can play infield. He can play outfield. He can he can do uh, clean up. He can catch. He can pitch. He can do it. They just put him where they need somebody. But uh, I did like that finish, the Vikings finish. The finish was different. They gave him the turnbuckle. Then they shot the guy in him, and he shot up. And Did he sunset him or – Power slam him or something. Oh, power slam him. And then they got up. What what did they do then? Well, no, he just hit the he hit the uh, he, that's called the power slam. And then they they did a, they did another move, didn't they? Or no, they just no, pinned him no. out there. Uh, no, row row. Um, well, let me give him. I think his name was Ivar. Yeah, Ivar threw him into the air, and then uh, the. The uh, Hanson, I call him Hanson because that was his own name. Gave him the power <laughs> slam. That's that's the Viking, the Viking experience, which is their finishers. So but that's how they got the win. And that was a, to me, it was a much better match than what I thought it even could possibly be. Yeah, but they 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 pulled that out. I liked, I I did like the finish in that one, <clears throat> and I agree with you. The right team won, but you can't you can't continue to beat those Vikings and keep them around. They're too okay. big. Yes, like I said, they, with the options that they had, this is the right team to one. But if they were going to do this, why the hell did the Viking Raiders lose to Corbin and Moss like last week? Don't even bring, don't even bring those guys up to me. <laughs> they're they're disappointing me. You know, another thing, uh, we'll get we'll get to the Charlotte Flair thing in just a minute. Yeah, but you know that Madcap Moss and that. Rick Boogs, they kind of look alike. I was looking at them not. They both got good bodies. They're both working out. And it's just the mustache. It's really something. just the mustache. I mean, these guys look almost, they should be partners. Yeah. But when they brought them out, I, I think they're pushing Boogs more than they are Nakamura. And they're pushing Madcap more than they are Corbin. I don't get it- that. It does seem like that. Those are the guys that are getting more in ring time, not the really the future star. But you it, know, those are the guys that need the ring time now. Yeah, you know what? I, well, yeah, but sometimes not on TV. I mean, especially if you want to keep keep the ratings up. Remember the suplex out of the corner, the Tower of Doom with four guys. Yeah. 
I didn't notice this at first. Then I said, wait a minute. Did that rating just kind of help suplex his partner? Because his partner was one getting suplexed, right? Yeah. And then he ran in and sent them all off. I'm thinking, where did that come from? Why would we he? Saw, we saw two Tower of Dooms on tonight. One on one on each show. Yeah, one on Rampage. <laughs> so uh, the one on com- Rampage was pretty impressive, though. Yeah, I like I like the way they set that one up. They did it in a, a very unique way. Uh, Stephen mm-hmm. here saying Cesaro and Mansoor a tag team. Yikes! Uh, yeah, that's that's what I was thinking because Cesaro was just tag team partners with Ricochet at day one. Now he's tag team partners with Mansoor. I was very confused. Uh, Chris <laughs> Chris says Eric and Ivar is the name of the Viking Raiders. You yeah yeah you you tell me Ivar. because I thought because it was Igor. I, yeah, I mean they they confuse. I feel like they change their name a lot. But yes, I think the Viking- in Scandinavian the V is like a G. That's a, but, just a difference in language. The but Viking- you know, I'm, I'm, I agree with you. In that tag team division, if that's what they have, they are really there's no bench there either. Yeah, there's no bench, and I'm thinking these these guys really. It's no saying in wrestling. They they couldn't sell out a phone booth. I mean, a lot of people don't even know what phone booths are now because everybody's got everybody's got cell phones. But a phone booth used to go in and make a call, and you you could hardly get two people in there. So I'm saying, if you couldn't sell out a phone booth, you know, there's not much star power in that group. But the right team did win, so I'm I'm glad on that. So yeah, so they're going to be okay. When you saw the- that match, let's go back. Let's talk a minute. When you saw the match, who did you think would win out of this? What the four way? Uh, the the four way. The Viking Raiders because thought, they're the only they're the only tag team really. No, okay, but who did you th- you thought they would win? Yeah. Well, I was who hoping. Did you think? Uh, well, I didn't know. They have they have spun the dial on me so many times. I have no way. There's there's no uh, there's there's not one thing you can go to. So well, they got to do this. Well, they don't have to do it. They proved time and time again. They don't have to do anything that even makes sense. But I was saying that the Viking Raiders, they, they need to win this. Now, I didn't think Cesaro and his partner would win it because they just a thrown-together team. Yeah. Uh, maybe the Lotharios because they had presented them as a tag team. And the other heels. guy, Skanky and who? What's his name, Skanky? <laughs> uh, Jinder Mahal and Shanky. Oh, Shanky. I call him Skanky. Skanky. <laughs> and I thought, well, they're not doing anything with them. So, yeah. But the right team did win on that. Absolutely. We want to hear from all of you in the live chat, your super chat donations. Make sure that we highlight your comment on screen. Any donation, we really appreciate it. Helps out the channel a lot, and we will highlight it on screen here. And remember to drop a thumbs up on the video, share it with your friends, and subscribe if you are new to the Sports Keto Wrestling YouTube channel. 24 and a half subscribers trying to hit that 25K. So help us out and hit that subscribe button. So we have 24,000 subscribers. But they 24 can watch, and a half. But they can watch this at any time, right? Absolutely. On they YouTube. Watch it on I mean, just, yes. I mean, they can watch it live. It's live right now, right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> See, I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't even know that. You guys don't tell me nothing. I, I told you this all the time. I tell you it's live. No, you tell me it's live, but you didn't tell me like subscriber base or anything like that because hey, I guess you, you and Rick K. Fabish crap no, on me. Y'all don't no. tell me nothing. Hey, usually I'm, I'm, I'm in the same chair as you usually on a Friday night. I'm in the I'm in the the, the analytical 
chair. I'm not in the one position. So when I'm mm. in the one position, I say all these things. So we can blame Rick for that. Exactly. Because he's that's not here anyway. Do. So who cares? That's what we always do. Um, oh. <laughs> next, they set up a, basically a show-long angle where they recap first Sonya Deville interfering in Naomi's match versus Charlotte Flair. Then Naomi approached DeVille in her office. Naomi was furious that DeVille interfered in her business last week. She demanded to know why DeVille had a problem with her. DeVille pointed out that Naomi can't touch her as long as she's wearing her jacket because she's management. DeVille threatened Naomi that she'll lose her Royal Rumble spot or get fired if she touched her. Naomi walked off when Adam uh, Pierce walked in, and he noted that it's chilly in the room, and Pierce turned the temperature up. So that set up later on in the night. They basically kept showing uh, Sonya Deville and, uh, and Adam Pierce in the backstage area, and they kept saying that, Oh, it's hot. It's hot. It's yeah, boiling hot. in the room. After like the Aaliyah win earlier in the night, they said it's boiling in the room. So we come back to them in the office, and Adam Pierce has his jacket off now. Sonya Deville talks about how, how it's boiling in the room. Mm-hmm. Adam Pierce says he's gonna go and check uh, if the if the temperature is actually working. So he walks out, and then uh, we see Sonya Deville take off her jacket put it down, and then we hear the door, you know, open and close, and Naomi comes in. She says, you have the jacket off. She goes to go after Sonya Deville, and Uh then Adam Pierce comes in and separates them. He says that Sonya's been, uh, Naomi complains that Sonya's been using her power to kind of mess with her, so Adam Pierce makes uh, Naomi versus Charlotte Flair in a championship contenders match next week on SmackDown. Why the hell did we need that many segments? Why, how the hell did you do no. a whole angle to set up that the temperature was hot so Sonya Deville could take off her jacket and then Naomi doesn't touch her? Why? Why waste my time with that many segments? Though? And I'm thinking, when are they going to pull the trigger on this? I mean, how long has this been going on? And we bitch about this every week, but they continue to do it. They're going to take it all the way to SummerSlam. They're going to try to get there, and I guess they can get there because they've, they've got, what, eight or ten weeks out of it so far, right? Yeah. And they just won't – and you know it's there. All they got to do is touch it, and they can take off. But if they touch it, now they've, they've shot the wide. Now what are they going to do? I have no idea. So I, mean, I, I think this I don't is think at least they'd... going to WrestleMania. This is definitely at least going to WrestleMania. At this point, it has to at this point. Okay, in that in that segment, uh, what's that girl's name? Aaliyah? Is that what yeah. they say? A L I Y A H. A L I Y A H. So, but they say, uh, I would say, I don't know, Aaliyah. Yes. But uh, that girl's green, isn't she? Um, I I would say so. Really on the mic, on the mic and in the ring, it seems. Really, really green, and I'll say that uh, Natalie did a did a pretty good job with her. But that first interview they did when Aaliyah left the room, horrible interview, yes. horrible. It just didn't click. 
Well, we might as well talk about it. Uh, we it first started off in the back with Aaliyah was worried about embarrassing herself again because you know the six man the six woman tag that they had she got the victory and then threw up on herself. So she makes note of that and says that she hopes mm-hmm. she doesn't embarrass herself in her first singles match. Yes, her first singles match when she got drafted to this brand in October, ladies and gentlemen. It's her <laughs> second match overall. Um. <laughs> It's middle of January, October, November, December, three months. Yes. No, four uh, months. It is four months. I mean, this is this is kind of par for the course with her career. The, she was in developmental since like 2013, 2014, and just how got old, called how, up last year. How old is that girl? Um, I'm guessing she's, yeah, in she's like, probably in she's late almost, 20s. She's almost drawing Social Security by this time. She's. <laughs> She was in developmental so long, so, but she 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 can't talk. I mean, she can get the lines out, but she you can tell she's nervous. Yeah. But the first interview they did when she was talking about uh, being nervous. And, yeah, and the 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 book of records. Oh man, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, Natalia's good on the mic, but they are literally giving her the dirt worse material. Natalia approached Aaliyah <laughs> and noted that there's no shame in losing to her. Natalia holds three records in uh, the the Guinness Book of World Records. Guinness. Aaliyah, Aaliyah, uh, Claimed she didn't know that still existed, and then commentary made fun of it, and also said that they thought it didn't exist. And then Natalia had her own promo, and she said she promised to break the Guinness World Record for uh, of three point eight seconds for the fastest women's match in WWE history. So of course, yes, this was the whole setup that, that for tipped, Aaliyah. That, yeah, <laughs> that, that tipped the finish right there. Absolutely. And so, I knew that every I think everybody knew the finish. Oh yeah. Your- uh, absolutely. You knew Natalia wasn't gonna beat her in that short of time, but you knew this was a setup for Aaliyah to get the win in that short but, amount of time. But uh in and the way they pulled it off and delayed the bell is actually pretty good the way that they pulled it off. I think I think and this was the best way to. to she do beat this. the she beat the crap out of Aaliyah, and he was going to stop the match one time. No, she said she can go. We're going to we're going to start the match. Then when it when it rang, you could see Aaliyah just almost she almost froze. She almost like a deer in the headlights. Yeah, and she froze and ding ding. And then she rolled her up one two three, three point, what one seven seconds. Yes, 3.17 seconds, the shortest, the uh, fastest win uh, by a woman in WWE history. So they had the graphic and everything. Aaliyah has set a Guinness World Record for the fastest match. What did you did you think? Uh, what did you think overall of this whole angle with the promo and the match here? Well, the promo, the first part of it was, I think, not very well performed. The Natalia interview when she's by herself was okay, but the match kind of covered up for it because I think that did catch some people by surprise. I mean, it probably caught. I mean, I, I think veteran fans it didn't get, catch them because you knew it was coming, but it was still well. It was well performed. Yeah, and I saw guys get up, yeah, yeah, because they didn't see it coming, and that's the beauty of things when you. When you can, when you've never seen it, and then it surprises you. 
But the next time something like this happens, people who remember this one, oh, we've seen it before. Now they're not surprised. But it was it was pretty well carried out, I think. Who was that? Who was that referee? That was a new referee too in that match, right? Uh, I I tell you, I tell you, Dutch, because WWE don't care about their referees or identifying them or making them stand out in these matches. I don't I don't uh, care to remember the names and don't really pay attention at who's the referee. Well, why is that? You think? I don't know because AEW does a, a good job where where I can review a show and nine times out of ten I can tell you who was the referee because they kind of always highlight the referee in some way. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but WWE used to do it. WWF yeah. used to do it with the with the Hebners. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. You had Earl Hebner. You had Mike Kyoto. They was yep. like there was a bunch of referees. Charles, Charles Robinson. There was a bunch of referees that they just put a spotlight on and they always stood out and then you also had like stuff like the invasion angle with nick patrick on the alliance side Mm -hmm. like uh hepner on the wwe side so there was stuff like that where they always did something to make the referee stand out nowadays and it seems like over the past decade or so in wwe they have literally just made all the referees like nondescript to the point that you don't pay attention to who's the referee. The really the only one that stands out to me is is Jessica Carr, the the uh, the, the the female, the first female that they had on the main roster. That's the one that usually, in, if she's the referee, I remember. In WWE, yeah, she she was on tonight, right? I think so. She's bigger than some of the wrestlers. Remember, I, I said that the referee, the girl, she's bigger than the guys. But anyway. Well, we also got to talk about uh, the Sami Zayn segment that came before the Aaliyah and Natalia match. Inter- uh, entertaining, entertaining. It's it's what Sami Zayn does best. Basically, he's still promoting the his whole uh, issue with Johnny Knoxville, who's also in the Royal Rumble. He announces that he's entering himself into the Royal Rumble, and he says that Johnny Knoxville has joined the conspiracy. Zayn played the footage of Knoxville eliminating him, throwing him over the top rope last week to earn his spot in the Royal Rumble match. And Zayn was happy that Knoxville's in the Rumble because he's entered as well. Zayn was upset that Knoxville thinks that he could be a wrestler. However, Zayn could do anything Knoxville does but better and he claims that everyone knows that he's a bigger jackass than Knoxville which was a great line uh yeah he did insane yes he introduced his own show called insane and Zane ran to the back he came back with in a shopping cart with two uh (laughs) nameless guys pushing him he kept hesitating when they were pushing it there was a ramp set up in front of the ring and then on the other side of the ring, there was a mat with a big X. And, of course, Zayn kept uh, pretending that he was going to do the stunt, but kept hesitating. They pushed him, and then Zayn kept stopping. Finally, Zayn went to do the stunt, but stopped at the last well, second. I, I, they did it well because I'm thinking, listen, I mean, I thought it, they would – I said, it couldn't clear it if it wanted to. No, no, absolutely. It, it, it couldn't clear it, and I says – and I'm sitting back, and I said – and sometimes when you see something, it's WWE, so they could possibly try it. Yeah, and I'm gonna say it, he'd kill, he'll kill but, himself. But I knew I knew Sami Zayn wouldn't do it. <laughs> but the possibility was there. Yeah, it was in the back of your head, saying, "I don't know." They may get him flying down through there, and 
take off. So he so he gets out. What happens then? He gets in the ring. What happens? He gets in the ring. He uh, starts talking trash, and then Rick Boots comes out of nowhere with a new <laughs> haircut, looking yeah. like uh, well, Michael Cole says, looking like Freddie Mercury. And then uh, Shinsuke Nakamura gets in the ring and gives uh, Zayn the Kinshasa, and then Boots gives Zayn a press slam onto the mat with the X to end yep. the segment. Like you said, it was entertaining, but I felt like the, the ending was a little, a little bit of a whimper. That's, that was my main issue with a lot uh, uh, besides one promo segment. A lot of these promo segments just didn't have well thought out endings. to them. Well, it was entertaining. <clears throat> and after you saw that little ramp, you said, ah, no, he, he can't get over the ropes. He won't go back. He don't have that much speed. Yeah. And then you're thinking, well, he'll kill himself. That's what I'm thinking. So then maybe they won't do it. But uh, but Zane, like you say, that's his forte. Absolutely. Does that, that stupid stuff and actually keeps keeps his steam on top of that because people are used to that. So, oh, Ryan Wood, Woodridge gave $1. Yes, we appreciate you, uh, Ryan. Yeah. Uh, Could we, you put a few more zeros on that, Ryan? And <laughs> we'll we'll really remember you. Any little bit matters, and any little bit we appreciate for sure, Ryan. He says, uh, "Can you please ask him a question for me? What what was his first car? What was your first car, Dutch? Or first car you you ever bought? The first car I ever bought? Yeah." I had one time, believe me or not, a 1953 DeSoto convertible. I wish I had that car now. And then guess what I had? What? Then I actually went older than that one. I went a 1939 Ford Coupe. Mm. You ever seen those cars? They're no, really, it's, it, it's still a nice looking car today. Ryan today, says, really. Ryan says uh, he had a, a 1975 Ford Mustang and it went re- very fast. Well, I didn't have a Ford Mustang, but I had a, what, what was the top of the, uh, it was a, one of the Ford's bigger cars, not a Fairlane, I guess. I don't know. That, it was an eight cylinder. That's when gas was like 35 cents a gallon. And man, it's the, yeah, eight cylinder, you it do a hundred all day long, but that's the way they used to build cars. Yeah, they built them like that. But now, you know, now I'm, I've heard so much about electric cars. Now I want an electric car. You know how much electric car gets on a full charge? How much? What do you think? Mileage 700 miles. It's pretty good, huh? That is very good. Remember, we have every. Remember, everyone, we do talk about wrestling on here, though. Oh, sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. Drop, but we talk about just anything that pops up. Drop a thumbs up on the video. Share it with your friends. Subscribe if you are new. If you're watching us on Facebook, drop a heart emoji, a laugh emoji, a wow emoji, whatever SmackDown and Rampage made you feel. Let us know with those emojis there. Next, we had another promo segment. But this was the one I'm talking about that had a good ending to it. Michael Cole introduced WWE Hall of yep. Famer. Lita to a huge reaction from the fans. Fans broke out into a 
loud Lita chant. Uh, Cole noted that Lita influenced the woman on the current roster, and Cole wondered why Lita decided to enter the Rumble this year. Lita noted she was in the main event, uh, uh, the the first woman's main event of Raw with Trish Stratus, and entered the Raw, the Hall of Fame. But she was never able to be in the Rumble match when she was going when she was in her prime. And because Lita it wasn't because. around. Right. It wasn't around. Uh, Lita feels she has one more run left in her, and she plans on winning the Rumble and main eventing WrestleMania. The fans were very happy to hear that. And this brought out SmackDown Women's Champion Charlotte Flair. She interrupted, made her way to the ring. Flair grabbed the mic from Cole and took over the interview. Flair mocked Lita and pointed out she's entering the Rumble as champion. And Flair promised to win the Rumble, throw Lita out, and pick her opponent at Mania. And Flair wondered how how she's going to deal with losing Lita called Flair, the Tanya Harding of uh, WWE and made fun of her giant head, which the fans chanted giant head because of that. That was a nice little touch. Uh, Flair mentioned defeating Lita's French Stratus at SummerSlam 2019. And she claimed she broke and retired Stratus and Lita pretended to slap Flair and then Flair yeah. ducked. And then uh, Lita gave her the twist of fate to end the segment. I thought that this was a quality segment, which, you know, Lita felt like she was a little bit rusty, but got into the flow of things, especially when she was yep. interacting with uh, Charlotte Flair. And honestly, Dutch, after this segment, I wouldn't mind Lita versus Charlotte Flair at WrestleMania. Hmm. I'm just thinking about that. Well, they, they, they set it up and it was set up well. And I think if they follow through through on it, it wouldn't be a wouldn't be a bad a bad idea. I, because I, now you bring you bring you bring the new and the old together, and it gives Charlotte somewhere to go. Now she can retire a Hall of Famer, and it wasn't wasn't bad. What did she call the deal? She set her up, and what what was that finish called that Lita yeah, used? The uh, the twist of fate. Well, she missed it. <laughs> But um, I'm look, but but in in uh, defense of Charlotte, she had high heels on. Yeah, I don't know how you do that in high heels. I don't know. Do you? I don't know. I, I um, couldn't take it with no heels on. This is why I, I couldn't take it. This is why I enjoy. I like the fact that Charlotte Flair as SmackDown Women's Champion is in the Royal Rumble because something like Lita versus Charlotte is possible without Lita winning the Royal Rumble match. Yeah, the city is. Like she could just eliminate Charlotte Flair and then she has her claim to get a shot at the title at WrestleMania. She doesn't have to win the entire Rumble match. The Rumble winner can be the person that goes after the Raw Women's Championship. So this is why it creates a lot of different uh, fun scenarios there with charlotte in there okay let's 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 work this down your last four in the ring say that charlotte gets eliminated earlier by lita your top four in there would be who um bianca belair yep live morgan is bailey bailey in it I, I, I want Bailey to be in it because I feel like Bailey winning the Royal Rumble is the only way we get a woman's main event at WrestleMania this year. So, yes, I would say Bailey in there. And then if I had to pick a fourth, I'll throw someone from NXT out there in Io Shirai. Oh, no, actually, you know what? Someone returning or another person returning? Asuka. Asuka can be the fourth. Now, Sasha Banks is not in it, right? <laughs> 
she's, she's injured. Hurt. Yeah, she's, she's injured. Hurt. I know. Okay. Sasha would definitely be be one of my because when you get down to four, now everybody sits back. Yeah, and you reassess. That's when you pay attention more. For yeah, sure. well, yeah, because before it's just a big cluster, but when it gets down to four now, and you know, you know it's getting the, real. The, the the competitors all look at each other now. They now their strategy changes from the beginning because now all these other people are gone. And the fans, they're looking at it. And they're saying, okay, now, how are they going to handle this? Yeah. That's where the artistry comes in. That's where you got you to start thinking, the creative does, how to best pull this off. So you would say Lita in there and who? Asuka? I'd, no, no, no. I said the final four would be Asuka, Bailey, Bianca Belair, and Liv Morgan. You wouldn't leave Lita in there? No, Lita doesn't need to be in there at the final four. She just needs to eliminate Charlotte. If she if if they are going in that direction, we got Victor Nash saying Mickey James versus uh Charlotte Flair at the Rumble. It's been a week since Mickey James, the impact knockouts world champion, was announced for the Royal Rumble. Do you think that uh they this could be something more outside of uh that this one event, the Royal Rumble, and we could see Mickey potentially at uh at WrestleMania or uh, or someone else from Impact Wrestling coming? Well, I think all they want is Mickey James anyway. That's the only name they probably have that even means anything in WWE circles, correct? Yeah. I don't know who else is there anyway. But well, they, as, far, they, as, far as, as far as like Impact Wrestling people, because uh, there was a report this week from WrestleVotes that said that uh, sources in WWE are saying that they're trying to get an unexpected forbidden door entrant for the what's men's that, Royal Rumble. What's that mean? Forbidden door is someone from uh, an outside company. Forbidden door is a term that Hiroshi Tadahashi came out with when uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling wasn't able to work with all elite wrestling. He says that he talked about the forbidden door. That's why the term came up. So anytime any promotions work with each other, fans call it forbidden door. So now there's a report that says WWE wants to bring someone through the forbidden door, an unexpected someone for the men's Royal Rumble. So Impact Wrestling does have some people that have connections to WWE, like a Matt Cardona, who was Zack Ryder. My opinion, the biggest person from Impact Wrestling that they could probably get for the Royal Rumble that WWE would think was big is D'Lo Brown. D'Lo Brown is the, is a producer and a commentator for for uh, Impact Wrestling. And I'm just saying, thinking with WWE head on, that's a nostalgia pop. That's someone that, you know, you could work with Impact Wrestling and bring over for not just the Royal Rumble, also for the Hall of Fame. He's a former Intercontinental Champion, mm -hmm. European Champion. I feel like D'Lo Brown, when I came to this realization that that's the perfect person for WWE to bring in for the Men's Royal Rumble because it fits all the things they usually do, that's the one that makes the most sense to me. What about you, Dutch? Well, he would make sense. But I don't, I don't know... I think he's a little he he heavier now, so he would have to. WrestleMania oh, is half far away. Well, well, I mean, he no, can just go in and go out. Yeah. yeah, this is this is the Rumble. Like literally, we've seen Jimmy Superfly Snooker way past his prime, and Roddy Roddy Piper way past his prime, and Mick Foley way past his prime. All enter into the Royal Rumble. It's just for the entrance. It's just for the pop. It's just for one quick spot, and then they're out of there. 
that's what I see for D'Lo. D'Lo went through a goddamn uh, table on Impact Wrestling this week. He could go over the top rope. No, he can do that. <laughs> he, but he, as long as he doesn't have anything long to do, he'd be fine. And that would be a good pop. That would be because that's what you watch the Rumble for anyway. So who's, uh, I don't know why they announced all the women except for Mickey because all those that uh, Summer Ray. I mean, uh, from WWE. Yeah. yeah. You know, and she got about 2 million followers. She has a lot. She's model, influencer, or whatever they call them. But, uh, and, she, and she looks great, too. She really does. I, I talked to her this week. I told her not to get hurt. She says they called out of the blue. So I said, well, good. Good luck. So, and, and of course, they called her out of the blue because of those 2 million followers she has. She'll plug that, and they'll get more interest in it. But uh, she's, I think she's, I, does I, she sound I, excited? Oh yeah, she is. You ever met? You ever met her? No. How uh, how did you uh, like uh, connect connect with her in uh, WWE? She was managing what's his name Fandango. Mm-hmm. I think that's his name. And we were there at the same time. We made it. We made. We made a. Uh, a South African tour. We made uh, about three European tours together. So, and she would always sit with me and Big Show. All the rest of the guys would go in the back. And, because when she went back there, it's, it's like, you know, guys that get to drink and they start, you know, showing their butts. Yes. Me and Big Show, hell, we're like two old men there. And so she sat with us. Because she didn't have to be on guard all the time, or because you you know how guys are, and she said she sat with us because she told me one time she said I don't I don't feel completely uh, relaxed or safe back there I can't sleep, and I said I and I understood that, so I said she was welcoming me and Big Show and, and we played cards and of course me and Big Show just you know dogged her like like a rookie and then we eased up and then she enjoyed the tour. And she never forgot that. But I, I like that girl. She's really, really, really a nice, a nice girl. So absolutely, looking but, forward to seeing her in the women's Royal Rumble for sure. Um, next, we had uh, Sheamus going one on one with uh, Ricochet on SmackDown. This that Ricochet, one... phenomenal. He needs to save some of that stuff because it looks too good to kick out. Yeah, that deal he did with uh, Seamus laying over the second rope, and him hitting and coming back. That that kid's phenomenal. Really, really uh, fun. And to he watch did his and he did his interview, and I always heard he couldn't talk, but he was okay in that. He may not be able to talk off the cuff, but I, I thought that match was good. It was great. I, I thought that this was the match of the night on uh, this show. It, uh, it SmackDown. was. Uh, Sheamus noted before the match that uh, Rich Holland is at home because of Ricochet, and he promised revenge. Ricochet promised to defeat Sheamus and break his nose, too. And like you said, it was a good, <laughs> hard-hitting 
physically intense type of matchup that had a great finish to it. The finish saw uh, Ricochet went for a head head spring knee, but uh, Sheamus hit a bro kick in midair to get the victory. I thought good. that this was this was everything it needed to be. And Sheamus and Ricochet just have a tremendous chemistry together, and they've literally never had a bad match. And this was another good one here. Well, what surprised me is they didn't replay the finish. Yeah. Because, you know, it, it happened so quick and fast, and they got about 42 cameras. But I don't know why they didn't reshow that because it was that ricochet. I, I've heard a lot about him, but I guess he's settled down now. And I, I think they should give him how many pushes have they actually given him? Uh, really just one when he first came to the main roster. Mm hmm. That's well, cool. I think he's due another one. Yeah, he's been anytime they give him an opportunity, he's performed very well. We want to say thank you once again to uh, Ryan Woodledge uh, with another donation. See, see, he heard you. He was like, he was yeah, like, yeah. I got to separate the it, dollars. Well, yeah. he's gonna he's gonna do. He's gonna add some zeros, but just keep putting the dollars up. What does add to the zeros? It really go. does. We also All got, you got to uh, do it is you just do it eight more times. And now we're up a zero. See, now he's up to ten dollars. We got Steven saying uh, ricochet to AEW. Do you never happen? Never no? happen. No. Why you say that? Because I don't think uh, they would AEW would pay him what he's making in WWE. Even though uh, Tony Khan has all the money in the world, he's not going to throw it away. I don't know. But, I I think he's the type of guy that. Uh, could be on the cutting room floor. If WWE is going to do more releases like they did in 2021, in 2022, Ricochet could be one of those guys who is a very surprising release, but unfortunately gets released this year. But And I can see Tony Khan immediately, if he gets released, signing him up. Well, if he gets released, but I'm saying, you know, I think we're, we're trying to put too much on AEW's doorstep. Because there's only so many guys that they can take. And finally, True. I don't care. I don't know. Anything's possible with, with, with Tony Condor. He wants him, he'll sign him, and he'll give him good money. And then he can make his all. He, he might end up making the same money, but traveling about halfway is less. Yeah. So, and he, he don't have to beat his body up every night because a style like Ricochet's, one one wrong step is over if he misses it. So, but I, li uh, I like his style. We got one final match to talk about from SmackDown. It was Madcap Moss with Happy Corbin versus uh, Kofi Kingston. Before the match, Kofi read a proclamation from King Woods. Woods mm -hmm. suffered a calf injury last week and has to miss the Royal Rumble. However, Woods decrees that Kingston would enter the Rumble match and represent the kingdom. Uh, this match was fine. For what it was, we got uh, Epi Corbin and and uh, Madcap Moss with some promo time before the matchup, talking about them injuring Drew McIntyre's neck, so they're still continuing that on until McIntyre returns. And Moss gets the victory with the punchline, so they seem to be trying to get momentum for Moss here. Big victory over a former WWE champion in Kofi Kingston. I didn't like it. No, I didn't I, like it at all. I mean, Kobe Kingston, after all he's done, was, world cha the was the world's champion 
and then he's all, all of a sudden he's I know he's a, like a single now and the new day have disbanded temporarily I guess but to have him go in there against uh, Madcap Moss and lose right in the middle I mean I don't think that helps Moss at all and I and it certainly doesn't happen uh, help Kofi, help Kofi at all no. So I, I didn't I didn't understand that. The match was okay. But I think it's like watching a movie where the bad guy wins and it doesn't leave you with a good feeling. I don't know. I uh, no, I get I get where you're coming from. Anytime Madcap Moss, it just has a very deflating feeling to it because his character is just not over No. Out. No. I mean, you, you kind of want to like him, but you can and he's not even funny, really. No, he's not. I mean, he's, he's not so at all. He, he's so corny, and he 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 works his butt off. He laughs and him and, and they got a they got their deal down, but it's just not it's not clicking. Yeah. Again, I'm gonna go back to what we said two or three months ago. We like Corbin broke. He was a much more interesting character, and the this... people wanted to like him. Now you, he, he's a channel changer. This character was okay until they added Mad Cat Moss. Mad Cat Moss is the difference in making this complete trash. Um, <laughs> the less said about that, the better. Let's move on to uh, Rampage, which had a, a excellent opener to the show. Adam Cole with Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, Red Dragon, Young Bucks, and Brandon Cutler versus Trent Beretta with Orange Cassidy, Chris Statlander, Chuck Taylor, and Wheeler Yuta. There was enough people outside the ring to make this a lumberjack match, but they, they had more people outside the ring than they had in the arena. Well, not really, but that's what it looked like. They had a lot of empty, empty seats there. They they did. I mean, Riley, the, I think the arena in Riley holds about 18,000, 19,000, and they only had about 6,000 to 7,000 in attendance. So, no, no. Yeah. No. That, not, that that's what wrestle ticks. I'm not going by what AEW said. I, I don't care what I don't care what wrestle ticks said. Wrestle ticks counts the tickets sold at the arena. That's how much they said about six thousand. How do they count the tickets? They get the they get the box office reports. They get box box office reports as well as the secondary markets. I don't believe it. <laughs> I love. I love. Dungeon didn't even have a comeback. He just. I don't believe it. That, that, <laughs> well, that, that would almost okay. That would almost on the hard camera. That's where you put your people. Yeah, I, I think I think they haven't learned that yet. They haven't learned. Are you kidding you, me? You don't. They don't know to put the majority of the people on the one side. That's, as uh, as someone that has gone to an AEW event where the arena isn't full, yeah, they they kind of just let people sit where they are. They bring you down from up there, but they don't. They ha I haven't seen them or heard reports of them moving people to the to the hard camera side. So, well, I heard I heard a report that said maybe two thousand. That's what I heard. I wasn't there, so I don't. I don't know. But if I looked out there in that crowd, and it's darkened out anyway, but you could see some lights, but there's, there's nothing there. I this did was, see. This was I one did, of the I, more, I, more I, I did see some. In I did. I did see some lights up moving around at one time. I think somebody, the camera crew, told somebody to go up there and take some, take the cell phone and turn it on and show it. And I don't know. 
but it was a, and, and the crowd wasn't into it usually like they are. So they did this rampage after dynamite. Yes. So, th so they doing rampage after the regular show, right? Yes. Okay. And then some people could have left. Yeah. Cause what time, what time they start. And this is, uh, they, sh they shoot this late after 10. After well, 10, when it gets at 10 o'clock and you start to show people say, ah, I'm getting out of here. I got to work. I got to work uh, tomorrow. So Beretta basically injured his, uh, his surgically repaired neck during this matchup. And uh, que Cole question, question. Didn't he hurt his neck last week too? Uh, last because week? What was, what was when, he in last week? Well, it's either last week or the week before. Because he keeps well, selling, he keeps selling the neck. Well, that's, that's what you do. That's what you do. When I, someone, I know, but, when someone returns but, from an injury, you—that's the—that that should that's, always be the focal point. <laughs> that's what I'm what I'm saying. But at some point, it becomes illogical to keep selling something that you had a surgery on. Why would you keep doing that? See, I've seen well, him in one that, match that, selling that's it. That's your that's your weak point. That's what should every every opponent should go after. But the neck—that's usually common sense here. The neck is a very critical part of the body. Yeah, I, I, I am you, saying this. You, I am saying this as someone that grew up during the time when Stone Cold Steve Austin came back from a neck injury, and literally his entire time at Babyface, every single match on Raw, SmackDown, and Pay Per View, they all went after the neck. So that, I, that's what I'm used to in wrestling. Someone has what, a neck injury and they come back. Every what, one of their matches for a while going to be about the neck. How many of those moves that that, uh, what was his name? Barrett, uh, Beretta. Trent Beretta. How many moves did he take to that, like a pile driver? And a, I mean, all those were power moves on the neck. Both of the both of them were taking some ridiculous spots on the neck and the head. Uh, Beretta does a, a power driver on the apron on Cole at one point. Uh, Cole hits a Canadian destroyer. Uh, we got a superplex where Beretta sold it, sold it awesomely. He did the superplex on Cole, but he's it, it was like the cramping came down and he just sold the neck very well. Uh, he uh, he was selling every every one of these moves. Yeah, he, he he sold them. Uh, he came this, with that half. This would this would be what I would do with the guy. I tell him we'll take him back to the doctor, and the doctor has told him to quit wrestling because if he keeps it up. And every time they even make a move to go for that neck, let him run out of the ring, get away from him. And he stays away and he stays away and he stays away. And that becomes his defense is to protect his neck while he gets his offense in. Then you got an angle now because he's not taking a power driver for a high spot. And then he's selling the neck or he's not taking a, a you know, a power slam or a, a bomb and selling the yeah. neck. See, if they went for it, then he, he just grabs his neck and he rolls out. And now the announcers, now you give them something to talk about. See, he's protecting the neck but because of all his history. I think it would take a little bit of a while to get that over, but I think you can get, well, it's over now. You just got to accent that his neck is his weak spot. I think they've been doing that. But yeah. since they've been pounding him around so much, the people's, People now are looking at him like, you know, buddy, if you get hurt, it's your own fault. <laughs> oh, wait. Yeah, at one point he... he
he kept reversing the uh, Panama Panama Sunrise. He hit a uh, strong it, zero for a near fall, and uh, Cole broke up um, Pinatep with getting his foot on the ropes. Uh, then there was a huge brawl on the outside between all the other uh, people. Uh, Cole hit a low blow with the referee distracted, and then he lowered the boom to get the victory. I thought that this was a great no, match. No, good, match. good uh, match. This this was another one, though. I felt the, the finish was so-so, but th- that match, especially when they just were wrestling like they had no necks, that was just a great opener to the show. Yeah. And the only thing I found that I, I didn't like is, you know, they bring everybody with them. They bring half the dressing room with them. So that, to me, takes away from the two guys in the ring because you know what's going to happen. Because I think anybody's watching, they know they're going to have a big fight outside, and then you're going to have a finish, and that's exactly what happened. I mean, that's, I mean, if you wanted to, and I guess it's to get those people on TV. I I know what it is, but sometimes you can almost have too many for your own good. But I guess Tony wants to get them out there and say they've been on TV, He's paid them anyway, so stick them out there. Well, I think that was more of these people were out there because they're setting up some big multi-man match with Cole, Red Dragon, and the Young Bucks versus Best Friends. I mean, you don't always need that many people out there. And usually the last couple of matches between these two sides, when it's been a singles, it hasn't been everybody out there. But this one is because they're leading into that big multi-man match. Uh, next, we had a pre-taped video package highlighting the burgeoning uh, feud between Thunder Rosa and Mercedes Martinez. I just can't wait for these two ladies to go at it. It's going to be a lot. It's going to be a very hard-hitting matchup. I can't wait for it. Uh, then we had uh, Sean Spears with Wardlow versus Andrew Everett. Everett was making his debut, but uh, he didn't show get to show too much. He displayed some of his high-flying skills, but then he leapt right into the C4 from Sean Spears to get the victory. After the match, Spears cut a and one of his better promos here. It was good. He, uh, while Wardlow stood over to the distance, uh, uh, Spears had a promo on CM Punk, and he says that instead of facing a green wrestler with uh, a year experience who's a one-move pony, talking about Wardlow, who is right behind him and looking more angry as he said that line, uh, Punk is going to be versing Spears on Dynamite. I thought Spears was awesome here on the promo, and he got over with the crowd as well as he was cutting the promo, which is very good as well because they went from like cheering for Wardlow to booing Spears, so they're also building up the Wardlow babyface turn here. What did you think? No, I I, I like... <clears throat> the way they set the camera up. I don't know if they told him to stand this way. I'm sure they did. But Wardlow was in the background. And Spears was talking. And you could see Wardlow. Uh, Ward is that his name? Wardlow? Wardlow. Yeah. You could see him in the background, which was a great shot. Yeah. Because it, it tells its own story. And uh, he, he give a he give a good interview. And I think that should be their... Their M.O. from here on out when they do it together like that. Let him stand in the background. And when he was talking about Wardlow, he was talking about when he said the one-trick pony, he was talking about Wardlow. Yeah, because Wardlow's finisher is basically him giving multiple power bombs to his opponent. And then on to CM Punk, he literally destroyed CM Punk, gave him like eight power bombs, one through a table at ringside. But it was MJF at ringside kept telling him to give him more and more and more because he wanted punishment to Punk, but it also came off in a way he didn't want Wardlow to beat Punk. 
And then Punk in the end got a roll up on Wardlow for him to lose. But it seems like we are really pushing heavy so that we're they, going into the Wardlow babyface turn. So they laid the groundwork for a, a babyface turn by yeah. Wardlow. Yep. Well, I've always said, have patience. Have patience and know your crowd, know what they want, and you, you got to be able to read them too. Yeah. See, a, a lot of I've known a lot of bookers have told me that you got you said you got to know your audience. That some even even in towns in the same company in the same territory, you know they like different things, so you got to cater to what that crowd wants. Of course. Some people do that and some people don't. But I, I did. That That was a good match. Good interview. But see, I like I'm a new fan of AEW. So I don't even know these guys. So I'm looking, I'm looking at them as a, a, as a newcomer. Yeah. And of course, after I watched two hours of SmackDown, then you're watching another I mean, the, the show was, I think this was a below par show than most of the AEW shows I've seen tonight. Yeah, I, liked, I, mean, I, I liked the girls match, really. I mean, I didn't, I, I, I just didn't think that this connected uh, the, the uh, women's match. It was Nyla Rose, uh, Penelope Ford, and the Bunny versus Chris Statlander, Layla Hirsch, and Red Velvet. First of all, it was, they just rushed into it. Nobody got an entrance and they just went into the action. And, but to the me, story. To me, something had to go wrong. They didn't get an entrance, did they? None of them. No. They would just end the ring, right? So therefore, this is me. I'm kind of a new fan. I knew Statlander and I knew Nyla Rose and and Bunny. I, I knew the heels kind. Of. I didn't know the other two, the two uh, babyface girls. Yeah, I call I called her the midget. What's her name? <laughs> the short Layla, girl, Layla Hirsch. Yeah, uh, well. And I didn't know her, and I didn't know the other girl. Like the other like girl the, was Red Velvet. I, like, like people, people they might think it's mean, but it's legit because Red Velvet is not that tall herself. She's like no. five foot three, five foot four, but she towers over Layla Hirsch because Layla Hirsch she, is like four eleven, four ten. Well, and she's not bad. None of them are bad. No, no. no See, the, and, and they were trying to work to me, like you said, they're laying the groundwork for Wardlaw. I think they're laying the groundwork for a Statlander uh, Hirsch turn, right? I think it's, because they were uh, it's, they were at it's odds. Layla it's Layla Hirsch that, that I think is going to make the turn because Statlander is the one that's more over with the fans. But uh, yeah, that was the story of this one. Hirsch and uh, Statlander weren't getting along. Uh, in the end, it looked like Statlander was on her way to a victory, and then Hirsch tagged herself in. They got into an argument, and then Buddy pushed uh, Hirsch into Statlander and rolled her up to get the victory. I'm happy that the 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 heels got the victory here but i just want them to turn hirsch because she should be on team taz she would fit in very well with team taz <laughs> uh i was going to ask you something has statlander have has she and nala rose worked anything up to this point much yeah they yeah, they, they faced a few times. They faced that Revolution 2020, and then Statlander beat her for the first time uh, on her way to her title shot against Britt Baker at All Out last year. 
So that should be a good match because that Satlander girl is good. Yeah. She's very good, and she's as big as Nyla Rose. Almost. She could she could hang with her. And then well, this I, li I like her. This Wednesday on Dynamite, they're gonna do Statlander and Orange Cassidy versus Adam Cole and Britt Baker in a mixed tag match. So that should be very good as well. That should uh, that should be good. Okay. Uh, at the commentary table, we have Ricky Starts cutting a promo on Jay Lethal, which he pretty much was doing all night, like in little bursts. He would just come out of nowhere and just be like, yeah, that got me upset. I'm going to talk about that later. Um, But then Lethal came out and challenged Starks for the FTW title, saying that it's not recognized by uh, AEW, but it's recognized by Ricky, and that's why he wants it. Uh, Lethal knows he won't get an answer tonight because Starks has to ask Taz's permission first, but whatever daddy i mean taz says do the yeah. opposite the rest came out the referees came out and, and uh broke up lethal and starks but uh it look, looks like we're gonna get that that match up in no i'll take that as a no 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 wait a minute no you were breaking up oh I you know, was like, you know you... when you're talking all of a sudden you just you you freeze or a second and 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 you hear the echo. So yeah, you you'll get that. Yeah, and you, that that is new. And and Jay Lethal, he can go. Yeah, that that kid can go. I've known him since TNA days. Hey, if you get a chance, go to YouTube and look up Kevin Nash advises the X Division. Yes, I you ever see any of that? The paparazzi oh, productions, paparazzi yes. productions. I remember. And you know, and who you, know you, you know, you who know, you know, like that. But you know, while this show was going on, they actually did a reunion on uh, Game Changer Wrestling (GCW) in Detroit with uh, Alex Shelley and Kevin Nash. Ironically, uh, right. I know you didn't know that, so it's very ironic that. that you just brought that up. <laughs> I didn't know that. But I'm sitting around creating one day, and I said, "Guys, why don't we?" That was my contribution. I said, "Why don't we?" We give him here the, the paparazzi cam. We give him that. And then he went to interview Kevin Nash. And when you see something, you say, there's chemistry here. Let's keep this going. And we kept it going. And we never really did a lot with it. But to me, it was this great TV. Because Kevin, when you let him go on his own sometimes, and I didn't write this stuff down. I said, just, he was talking like a German. <laughs> And it's just stupid stuff, but, but, it, but it, it got over. Out of that, it got over Alex Shelley. It got over Austin Aries. And that created Black Machismo with uh, Jay yeah. Lethal. So, yeah, there was a lot to get out of that. Because sometimes when you get something over, then you have all those the, the parts that come time just dangle loose. And they can stand on their own. Then you put them back together. Then you take them apart. That's what I talk about all the time, chemistry. When you find something the fans like, keep going. And the fans, they'll turn it off when you've gone too far, and you'll know it, so stop it. Absolutely. I mean, that's, you know, people say, how do you book? Well, a 12-year-old a, a kid could book. And I, they said, what do you mean? I said, okay, I, I'm saying, Sid, me and you have a match. I run into the ring one night, and I hit you with a two-by-four. Actually, that's an angle. True. Now, the next week, what you going to do? And they say, well, why don't you go and hit Dutch in the head with the two by four? Okay, you do it. Boom. So that's a continuation of it. But we're really right back where we started. 
And then we go another two weeks before we go to a pay-per-view. But we're on TV. This is what I used to tell Vince. I said, Vince, we can't put him on TV every week because we they'd seen it every week. Then we're putting it, putting it, putting it on pay-per-view and expecting the people to pay for something they've seen four times. But, but that is that is booking. So, yeah. but if you can figure out a way, of, now the next week, if you'd run in the ring with the two before, well, hell, I'm going to run. So now you haven't hit me. So you haven't gotten come up it's on me. And so every time I see you, I'm running, but I can't run into pay per view because, you know, we have a match and you put people around the ring or you don't do anything. You, I could run off there too. Then you go the continuations of a lumberjack match, then a cage match. And then, I mean, that can take you three or four months. Yeah. If you're trying to do something unique and different, every pay-per-view, you're not going to, you're not going to meet that standard at all. So sometimes your, your quality falls off. And again, if you listen to those people, like know your audience, know your fans, They'll tell you when it's gone too far, so you're done with it. And then you got to move awesome. on. Yeah, and that's, um, that's always been my theory. We should also take note, uh, they did announce another match for AEW Dynamite. Uh, besides the mixed tag match, CM Punk versus Sean Spears, Sting and Darby Allin versus The Acclaim, uh, Serena D versus Sky Blue, Lee, uh, Lee Johnson and Brock Anderson versus FTR, Cody Rhodes return. We're also going to see House of Black, Malachi Black, and Brody King versus the Varsity, Varsity Blondes. We should also note that they hyped up one of those matches with The Acclaimed with a little special music video on Sting yep. and Darby Allin, one of the best lines was uh caster saying that him and bowens are going to give sting a buckle bomb because that was the move that ended his career the first time i thought that was a nice little line here but a nice little uh character piece to build up the acclaim on their way on their way to their match against sting and darby allen on wednesday that was uh, good that's what i'm talking about doing things outside the studio it breaks your show up it looks different and it's memorable so you remembered it right yeah, I saw it. I'm not a big fan around, but I, I did like that one because it's it's different and it's original. Yeah. So now the guys they got something to to go on. Who 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 does the the actual rapping? Is that Bowens? That's not Bowens. No, uh, Caster. 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 Okay. Yeah. But that was uh, good. And they're out in the snow and they're acting stupid, which was good. So everybody can identify with that. Absolutely. And then the main event was more tag team action for the AEW World Tag Team titles. Jurassic Express defending for the first time against John Silver and Alex Reynolds of the Dark Order. Uh, before the match, of course, we had Mark Henry with the uh, promos. Uh, yep. Silver and it's Reynolds. Time. <laughs> it's time for the main event. That's good. Silver and Reynolds had kazoos uh, making fun of uh, Christian, and then Christian talked for the champions. In the matchup, uh, I thought that this was a well-wrestled match. Uh, Silver and Reynolds working very well with each other, isolating J Jungle Boy until luchasaurus uh made uh got the hot tag he came in like a house of uh a house of fury just running through both uh silver and reynolds we had the tower of doom the super stack which i thought they did it much smarter they did they did and they much did. more much more uh natural than the one on uh smackdown because i believe uh 
Luchasaurus didn't want to hurt his partner, so he put, he was about to just pull Silver into the power bomb, but then Silver punched his young uh, Luchasaurus back into the position for the super stack and grabbed Jungle Boy, gave him a German suplex as Luchasaurus was giving him a power bomb, as Jungle Boy was giving Alice Alice Reynolds a superplex. Great spot there. Uh, we had uh, a nice little a nice little back and forth at the end there. Silver and Reynolds came close to getting the victory after their Kamaguri into a stunner on Jungle Boy and the German suplex into the roll-up pin. But in the end, it was uh, Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy hitting the Jurassic experience on Reynolds to get the victory. I thought that this started off a little bit slow, but once they did that super stack and then into the the second half of the match, this became an awesome uh, close to the show. Very strong way to close the show here. What did you You know, You know, he's a great talker, I think. Silver. Yes. He's a good talker. Where's he from? He's from uh, Long Island. Oh, is Long he? Long Island, New York. Yeah. And how tall is he? He's a short little bastard too, but he, <laughs> he can he can work. He, he's good. He's about like five foot four, five five. Yeah. Is he? Is, he's that short? Yeah. Well, but he's he more than makes up for his lack of height by his mouth. And uh, he looks like he's having a hell of a time. He looks like he's enjoying every second of it. And that's what you should be. So now what was his what was his partner's name? Alex Reynolds. Mm-hmm. They worked really well well with Good each match. other. And they worked really well with uh, Jurassic Express here. And I, I was talking about it on my AEW review over on uh, True Hill Heat channel. The AEW tag team division is they, they are stacking it right now as far as like putting emphasis on a few tag teams as one at once. Okay. Like, it count okay. AEW tonight was an hour show. Yes. How, how many talents did they have out there? Well, I, I was gonna bring in this one, up. Uh, they uh, had 12 people at least. I, I was gonna bring up the match time because I thought I, I, I was like interested in that. So AEW's main event was about 13 minutes. Uh, we had the women's match was eight minutes, so that's 21. The shortest match was uh, Spears and Everett, which was under a minute. So that's about 22 minutes on the show. And then uh, the opener was about 11 and a half minutes. So in total, AEW had about 33 minutes of in-ring action on their show. By and comparison... The, and you only get 42. Exactly. So you get... <laughs> So in comparison, because I, I did realize, like, especially by the time we got to the leader promo on SmackDown, I was like, okay, this is a talk heavy type of show. But the opener to SmackDown was nine and a half minutes. Then we had, I have to scroll a lot to get to the next match because there was a lot of talking in between that one match, that one match. And then when the next match was happened, the next match was the shortest woman's match in WWE history at three seconds. So we're still at about 10 minutes of wrestling for the mm -hmm. show, about an hour and change in then nine and a half minutes for so three. You said three minutes in an hour. No, about about ten minutes in an hour, and in then an hour. and then Sheamus and Ricochet was nine and a half minutes, so that's nineteen, and then Madcap Moss and Kofi Kingston was just under six minutes. 
So 25 minutes in a two-hour show in comparison to Rampage with 33 minutes in a one-hour show. Well, I think SmackDown tonight I like better because at least we we got a a big matchup. We got Reigns and and Seth Rollins, which have they done that before? Yeah. They just haven't done it in a few years. Keep, keep and, in mind, when you're talking to me, you're talking about a guy I've been in wrestling, but I don't watch it unless I'm involved in it. I just, you can only see so much and take it in because I've already seen it before. But but I do like the, the Seth Rollins and the Reigns uh, buildup. Now, but he's on Raw, isn't he? Yes. So they're, so they're, they're promoting it on both shows. Yeah, and they're promoting the matchup on both shows, so it helps it out, makes it feel like a bigger matchup as well because it is being promoted on both shows. Um, I agree. I think that SmackDown was the stronger show only because it was a promo-heavy show, and I thought the promos hit for the most part. It delivered what it needed to. But if we're talking about strictly wrestling, the opener and the main event of Rampage were the best two matches on on the show i think ricochet and sheamus came in third but the better wrestling was definitely on rampage which seems to be a theme well they accent wrestling and wwe uh they represent more show business yeah and that's that's the way it the way that is it's not going to change and uh I don't know if they could change it if they wanted to. I think if they tried a lot of wrestling on on WWE, I think it's all, it's almost a set a thing now with WWE and SmackDown on Friday nights. I think people start watching it and go to sleep and forget to change the channel. That's why the radio, <laughs> that's why the ratings just don't have those dramatic slides. Yeah, because I think the people just say, "Well, it is what it is." They figured it out, and so like, and they and they do the big shows. When they when are they going back to Saudi Arabia? February nineteenth. Uh, the report earlier today from Fightful Select, Sean Ross Tap of Fightful, doing great work over there. Uh, they came out with a report that says that WWE is planning on bringing the Elimination Chamber to Saudi Arabia on February nineteenth. Mm-hmm. Okay. And and there is reports apparently from the Wrestling Observer newsletter that WWE is thinking of changing the Elimination Chamber into a different name. And uh, one of the proposed names is the WrestleMania Chamber. What do you think about that? I hate it. Why are they changing it? They built the brand, right? The Elimination Chamber. They, they built the name. They built the brand. And go, call it the WrestleMania Chamber. And you go... Well, WrestleMania is already an event. So when do they do the Elimination Chamber? They do it at other pay-per-views? No, they usually do it in February. They just don't usually go to Saudi Arabia in February. Well, if they're just going to use it in Saudi Arabia, it may, it may work. Because if you call it WrestleMania Chamber in Saudi Arabia. Let me ask you a little bit about that Saudi Arabia deal. Do they sell tickets for that? Um, or, is, or does the kingdom just say, hey, this is what the, we're providing? The kingdom pays them for these events. They get about how, 40, how much? $45 million per event. Uh, a show? Yeah, a show. 
And how many shows do they do? They do about two a year. Oh, but just one show, two a year. Yeah. $45 million for one show. Yeah. See, I was under the impression now they got $25 million. <laughs> No, $45. 45, change. 45 Chuck, million. Chuck change. $25 million. Get, <laughs> get the hell out of here. They're like, they're, like, they're like, you want us to go to Saudi Arabia? You're saying $25 million? You better add another twenty on that. Well, when I was there, they were talking about going to Saudi Arabia. And I told them, I said, guys, I'm going to tell you what. Not that it mattered. But I don't much want to go. Because I don't feel safe there. It's in the Middle East. Something could break out. I could be stuck there. And and there's some people that just won't go. Rollins won't go. I mean, uh, not Rollins. Uh, Sami Zayn won't go. Yeah. Because of the... He's a... Uh, what, what what nationality is he? What Syrian? Syrian. Yes. So they and, yeah, and he he, was, he probably can't go even if he wanted to because they have issues with Syrian Syria. But but he told me one time he said I I'm not going because and I said well and he had his reasons you don't tell me tell whoever's booking the show or tell Vince or tell somebody but to me I. Not that I didn't didn't want to know, but telling me I can't do nothing for him. But and I can see why. Because we, we got uh, this Joe. is this is this is a political statement. In the Middle East, they've had that fighting for what two thousand years, and it's not going to stop. It's just it's ingrained. It's in their culture, and they just don't like each other. So, so if they don't like each other, I'm gonna stay away from them, not liking each other, and I just go and do what I I just do reviews of SmackDown with you. That's a lot. <laughs> that's, that's, that's that's a that's a lot safer. That is that is a safer thing to do. Uh, one final question I got for you. Uh, there was a report this week that uh, Corey Graves has been medically cleared to return to in ring action. Uh, are you interested in seeing Corey get back into the ring? Not no, but hell no. <laughs> really? I mean, I was there when he got, I think he got hurt. And he was, I, I'm just not interested in it. He never, as a character, he's a good guy. But as a character, I don't know what he would bring. Now, he may bring something, you know, because he's halfway a heel announcer. Yeah. And he gets, he, he does get a lot of feedback of some of the stuff he says. So, but I don't know why he'd want to do that. Would he make more money? I guess he would, maybe. Probably most likely, and he probably has a passion for it and wants to get back into the ring. And I, th I think that him and Carmelo could be cool together. I mean, who? I think it's Hulu's coming out with the the Pam and Tommy Lee, uh, like a uh, docu a docu series. You have yep. Pam and Tommy Lee, the WWE version, Carmella and and Corey Graves. There you go. Well, if I was Corey, I'd be I'd be mapping all that out and presented it presenting it to them because him saying, Hey, I want to wrestle again. They're going to go, what are we going to do with you? But if you give them a plan, this is where we can go. And then if you interest the one person that can get next events, it may be, it may be a go. Well, 
that's going to bring us to a close on this edition of Smack Talk Dutch. As always, appreciate you spending time with me after SmackDown and Rampage. And Please it was to- a lot lot better tonight, too, because we didn't have that damn loudmouth Rick here running that mouth. Oh, Long, bro, long-winded Rick, and Rick, everything. Yeah, Rick, I was paid to say that. Uh, Riju. Is that his, how do you say his name? I think it's Riju. I think I, that's what I say. Uh, uh, that's what I say. That's what it looks like. Dutch, where can the people find you, sir? Okay. I'm going to start my podcast back. University of Dutch. Check my uh, Twitter page. Uh, Dirty D Mansell. It'll tell you where it, uh, where it's going to, where it's going to air. And it could be live or it could be taped. I may do it both ways because in one way I want people to ask questions. I want it to be an interactive, you know, where I can sit and they can just ask questions. Mm-hmm. And what I'm going to do, I'm going to be reviewing a TNA pay-per-views and all the stuff that went on behind the scenes that people don't know. And some people will be interested in that. Some people won't. But there is a lot of things uh, that they don't know. I like the... the the, the thing with Nash and his little buddy, the paparazzi cam and how that came into being. And, and that was, that was actually fun to produce because Kevin Nash is hilarious. You ever talked to him? No, I haven't yet. Oh, he's hilarious. You get him in a car. Oh, he's, he, he, he's a funny guy. Me and him together. I mean, we'd make a 250 mile trip. It'd be like making 60 miles or so. Because we would talk so back and forth. Doing, who are you doing this podcast with? I'm doing it with John Paz. You know who John Paz is? John Paz. And that's who I'm doing it with. So okay. Nice. Very nice. Check I'm going to tell out. him. I'm going to tell him, hey, Sid doesn't know who you are. What the hell? No, I, I, I'm kind of, I'm kind of offended that I wasn't asked to be your co-host on the on the podcast. Well, but you know, I'm not, I'm not going to no, take I, offense to it. I'm not going to take offense. Well, to it. I was doing it with this this guy before, mm-hmm. and you do podcasts now, right? Yes. Well, after a while, you know, if you don't have interact active people asking you questions, to me, I I just relate it to talking to yourself. Which I've done a lot of times because all the miles that I've done, you know, you'd be going down the road tonight and that white line going by. You sometimes I caught myself talking to myself. Some of my greatest interviews were actually done at about one o'clock in the morning when I'm behind the wheel of a car and nobody heard it but me. That's before phones. That's before anything. You said, "Man, if I could do that on TV, that'd be great." But then come TV time, hungover or something, you can't say nothing. Your tongue, your tongue's up in your mouth. But, but sometimes I just thought like, man, this is, I don't know. But see <laughs> what I'll do, I'll do, I'll do a podcast for about three months. Then I get, I get burned out with it. Then I'll lay off a while and then people say, well, where's the podcast? That's how it's coming back. So with me, it's always bring it back. And then when it gets back, then I'm they, they're saying, "When are you leaving again?" But now <laughs> that you, but but now you've got that history, and now they kind of expect it. So, see, in podcasting, I take like summers off <laughs> or winters off. You know, I do a season, 
then I take the time off. And then I do a season and then we go from there. So makes sense. Makes sense. So, so what, definitely check that out from uh Dutch over there. You can find me on the Twitter machine at True Heel SP3. My podcast going live tomorrow at eleven oh five AM Eastern Time. True where is Heel that? Heat. True Hill Heat YouTube channel, True Hill Heat 158, going live 11.05 a.m. Eastern Time with myself, Romeo, and special guest Andrew Thompson from Post Wrestling. So go over there and check that out. And check out Believe in Pro Wrestling podcast with myself and Rick Uccino. The YouTube channel is growing. He's got his latest interview with Kofi Kingston up on the channel. And, of course, right here on the Sports Kita Wrestling YouTube channel, we have an exclusive interview with Impact World Champion Moose where we ask him about going through the Forbidden Door, showing up at the Raw Rumble, plus much, much more. So hit that subscribe button. Hit the bell to stay notified. Like this video. Share it with your friends. Subscribe if you are new. Let us know in the comments down below on demand what you thought about this week's SmackDown and AE. W Rampage for Dutch Mantel. For oh, wait Ricky's- a minute. Before we go, I'm yeah. going to send you a video. It's like an arcade game, but with the new, a new age video. Mm-hmm. It's me in a match, which I've gotten no money for this, by the way. Me in a match with Abdullah the Butcher and Bray Wyatt. Wow. 17, 17 minutes, and they did it so well. I'm thinking to myself, I didn't agree to this match. What if I get hurt? What if I got hurt in a video game, you know? But uh but it's it's on my it's on my Twitter page. I'll send it to you. You look at it. Sounds good to me. So you uh, I'll probably do a review on that as well. So check out your uh, it's, oh, it's, YouTube. <laughs> no, I'm gonna send it to I'm gonna send it to Meltzer. See how he there you is. go. I'm sorry. Yeah. Star I'm gonna say and I, all I gotta do is say it's in Japan, it's in Tokyo. And you See, get the fiver. You get the fiver. Yeah, at least a six. Got to. <laughs> so, all right, for, man. Thank you very much. Thanks for everybody Dutch for watching. Rantel, it is me. It is me. Your true phenom SP3. And this has been Smack Talk. We will see you next week.